Now, though, to the benefits of playing outside and how that happens, helps children learn and develop. Outdoor education advocate Wendy Perry says children should be encouraged to spend long periods exploring and to be free-spirited. She says children raised in New Zealand 30 or 40 years ago would spend four to six hours a day playing in the fresh air, but now the average is 45 minutes. Wendy Perry is founder of an early childhood centre in Hawke's Bay called Discover the Den. It is set on two acres of land and preschoolers are inspired to explore nature. From Taradale, Tēnākwe, Wendy. Morena. I hope it's a beautiful bay day. I trust it is. Sadly, uh, it isn't. It's uh, it's a toasty eight degrees with some uh, rain, which actually we really need. So uh, that's the gift of nature today is a, a cool weekday. So we're exploring the puddles. <laughs> there you go, straight off the bat. There's something to go out and enjoy. Absolutely. Where do you come from on this? Why has this been such a focus of your endeavours? I guess I'm very fortunate that I grew up in very rural New Zealand, uh, in central Hawke's Bay. So I'm a Hawke's Bay born and bred local, uh, and I'm the youngest of four daughters. And uh, my parents were rural folk, and my dad was a farm manager on a on a great big sheep station in the back of rural central Hawke's Bay. So my childhood was spent outdoors, essentially, exploring all the beautiful things that were on offer. And that led to, I guess, as I've gotten older, a, a strong drive for uh, the benefits that that um, actually gives us um, as human beings. And uh, like a lot of people that I speak to, once you have your own children, uh, your perspective on life changes. And I'm fortunate, my husband and I, we've got three beautiful sons. Uh, and so having uh, children certainly brings um, really clear perspective around what type of future you'd like them to have. And certainly for our boys, um, one that's connected to nature was really strong. So you've done that for your own children. You founded this early childhood centre. And how have you developed this philosophy and your experiences into building something special here for kids? So it's a bit of a long journey, really. Uh, I guess founding the centre is kind of a pinnacle part of that journey, and it it really began um, as a youngster in those um, early years spending time outside, like I've mentioned. And um, growing up uh, in rural New Zealand, there was just so many opportunities, and we had a lot of community events, and we were brownies and guides and all of those kind of things. And so... My uh, academic endeavours from there went into sport and health science and looking at um, how the physiology of the body reacts to movement and um, a love of sport and outdoors and all those kind of things led me on this path to begin with. And the opportunity when I was um, seventh form back then, year 13 now, um, to go to Outward Bound, um, which was... Uh, a really a life-changing experience, actually. And um, when I met my husband, he'd also been um, to Outward Bound. So together we um, spent a lot of time ourselves outside. And, and once I had my children, it really um, triggered an interest in the relationship from an academic sense behind um, nature, movement, um, brain development, social competence, um, and how we develop as human beings. So that led me on an academic pathway um, through health science, population health and child development with uh, carrying out a master's thesis in 2010 
through University of Auckland around a movement and language programme and its effect on learning behaviour and social confidence of five-year-olds. And as I was doing this, my own children were growing and developing, so they're young adults now. Uh, and my middle son, who's 16, is also dyslexic. So uh, it was really interesting to walk that path as a parent and to understand, try to understand and learn about what that actually means. And I guess um, we're really well connected technology-wise, so I was able to reach out globally and chat to um, experts around the world of what's current and, and ideas. And I connected with Angela Hanskin, the founder of Timbernook, uh, who's in the US and is a paediatric occupational therapist. And so that began a journey of nature play and child development and how that relates. So my husband and I um, flew over there to do our training. We brought that program back to New Zealand in 2014 and launched it in the sunny Hawke's Bay. Um, and we developed that across New Zealand and Australia for five years, which was an incredible experience. And um, our children were a part of it. Um, and as my children have got older and seen them flourish into um, wonderful young adults, uh, began the idea of what would this look like in a more formal learning environment, I guess, from a licensed early childhood centre perspective. And we're really fortunate in the Hawke's Bay. We've got some wonderful members of the Ministry of Education. Um, we have a wonderful uh, uh, visionary here in Hawke's Bay, Sir Graham Avery, who um, I've been fortunate to work alongside a little bit um, and provide some mentorship around um, getting things off the ground. So the idea for the DEN was formed um, and we have, um, together with a, a co-founder, developed um, a site of two acres um, nestled in urban Hawke's Bay um, where we're offering these experiences for children two to six, um, five days of the week from 8 to 4.30 and it's just been a real joy. So what is that environment? What's this environment? Because you alluded to it. We're, we're, we've urbanised so much. A lot of kids now are growing up uh, not only in, in, in uh, suburbs and in cities, but increasingly, particularly our biggest cities, where there may not even be much of a backyard. Uh, and yeah. there might be the school grounds, which are very popular after school. But what mm -hmm. have you designed? Have you designed this as not just a place to be outside and move, but where you can go and explore, where you can be away from roads, houses, people, noise? Yes, absolutely. You've hit on every aspect of what the den offers. So we are just off a uh, expressway, um, tucked down a little no-exit road with a private access way, and then we open up um, to a two-acre play space, which is very wilderness-like. So there's big, steep hills and there's full of trees. Uh, so it's not um, highly landscaped in terms of what you'd envisage as a manicured space. Um, Colin, my husband, and I designed and built the playground, if you like. So we've got a very big um, welcoming sand pit for children. That's often a place which is settling in that sense of belonging. So a key part of developing the den was establishing what the cornerstones or the pillars of the philosophy are. And those four things are wellbeing, belonging, discovery, education, movement, and nature. So part of my journey, once I'd carried out my thesis, was connecting with uh, Jill Connell from Moving Smart, who's a wonderful advocate of movement here in New Zealand, and uh, Jill and another colleague, Cheryl, who's based in the US, co-authored a movement curriculum for children birth to seven called Move, Play and Move with Smart Steps. 
And in that curriculum, it's tailored for parents and educators and anyone that is walking alongside children of that age group to support them and give them ideas of essentially how to play with children. And all of those fun play things that children do, there is always an underlying developmental benefit to it. So simply uh, nature's plan in utero before baby's even born is typically we are upside down, head down. So your vestibular or your balance system uh, is starting to develop even before you're born. So nature is incredibly clever in, in how we're designed as human beings, if you like. Can we talk about some of the basics about what is needed in those early years? Um, I mean, we can start from the beginning with with movement and play, can't you? But what is it that, say, children, once they're up on on two pins, moving around and playing all the way into their primary school years need? Because, as I said, movement is one thing, but some complexity of movement, to work on balance, to work on trying things out and learning how things work and developing uh, all sorts of um, skills, touch skills, sensory skills, that's a different thing. And what is the sort of play that allows children to develop and push their knowledge of their own bodies and how they work in a physical environment? Yeah, so great question. And I essentially, when I'm talking to parents and educators about this, one of the first things I'll talk about is time and space. So um, a parent will always make the best playmate, especially in the early years, and uh, giving time, uninterrupted time being present, um, and space. So certainly under one, what we talk to parents about is the floor or the ground should be the child's playground. So they're learning about themselves and their environment. So figuring out that I've got toes and feet by being able to put them in my mouth um, and get a sense that through my sensory system, gosh, that piece of my body is connected to the rest of me. So we learn through doing. So giving children time and space and opportunities and experiences to understand their own body and how that interacts with the environment is really where it begins. And certainly uh, from a utero through to newborn, uh, your first primitive reflexes um, in, in supporting you to be born and then in those first months of life uh, are key to the platform or foundation for future development. So it's essentially a sequential journey uh, that typically most children go through without us being aware, but what we're seeing more and more for different reasons is that children are in positions that they naturally cannot get themselves in or out of. Um, and, you know, this health and safety, so we're in car seats and different things like that, but our bodies aren't able to be in those positions independently. So just ensuring and, and providing parents with information around giving children that time and space, and it's okay just to be and lie under the tree with your baby um, and watch the leaves fall off the tree is really supporting their development. That's the first part of eye fitness. My eyes are tracking and um, looking how fast is that leaf going, um, being able to track it from left and right, and that's the beginning of being able to read. So what I've certainly been trying to do over the years is, is share that with parents and give them a opportunity to, it's okay, you don't need to buy the latest thing that's on the market, um, just to be and uh, have that time together is really critical for early development. Is movement indoors and play indoors and movement and play outdoors fundamentally different? Essentially, going outside uh, engages all the body senses. 
Uh, and we typically talk about the five senses, more often than not seeing, hearing, touching, tasting and smelling. The two senses that we talk a lot less about is your vestibular or your balance sense or your proprioceptive sense. So what that information is and what uh, is bridging that gap from my perspective for parents and educators between health and education. So for how a child develops, uh, and the way we set up for learning, I guess, in New Zealand is that we have an education system that doesn't necessarily uh, look at the health of a child or the developmental journey of a child. So, for example, um, the most advanced form of balance is the ability to be still. So if we think about that for a young child, and any early childhood or new entrant teacher will instantly have a child jumping into their mind saying, gosh, yes, this child wriggles all the time. Um, their physiology of their body is sending us a message that perhaps actually they're not ready yet to be able to be still because it's actually an advanced uh, developmental journey. So how we develop that through our vestibular system is through um, taking our body of outright, upright position, sorry, which is things like rolling, spinning around and hanging upside down, which we used to see all the time in how young children were playing. So that's where we saw that natural development, where more and more now children are in an upright position uh, and not getting those every day, four to six hours of real free play. We've all done the roly-polies down the hill. I still don't know why they were so much fun, but if I had a decent hill, I'd probably give it another go now. But this is actually a learning process, doing roly-polies down a hill. Absolutely. So what that's supporting is children being able to sit still when they enter a formal learning environment. That That is a, a social requirement, a formal learning requirement, whatever that may be. It's, it's certainly how we used to play and the developmental benefits of that haven't changed. And so certainly sharing that information. And at the den, that's how um, children are encouraged to play every day. It's interesting you, it's interesting you mentioned the, the upside down thing, Wendy, because I'm thinking of it was a, a torture of instruments and certainly injuries in some ways, but the jungle gym, we were all over yeah. it. We were, yeah. we were hooked around bars and getting ourselves into every kind of position going or actually anywhere there was a bar, you'd hook your leg round it and, and spin round and round. Are there yep. ways for children to have that experience uh, even in the sort of health and safety environment we're in now? Absolutely there is. And certainly uh, one of the things, like I said earlier, that has been wonderful at the DEN is working alongside our local Ministry of Education around uh, what those um, parameters are in terms of regulations and legislation uh, and ensuring you just have the appropriate um, things in place to provide those opportunities because they are absolutely crucial for children's development. Other of some of the old... Fashion playground games, and I don't want to necessarily lead you to them, but I mean, kids used to skip. Remember, we'd get a big skipping, yeah. we'd all skip together, and some dud, normally me, would take the rope out. But you know, that, that the hopscotch was universal without sort of doing it a back in my day thing. Could yeah. you talk about some of those games that have survived or some that you're trying to reintroduce and what it was that they were teaching and developing? Yes, so certainly. Uh, independent or free skipping. Um, so if I'm working alongside children, that always makes my heart sing when I see a child that's skipping along and singing to themselves. Because what that gives me an indication is that they are physically organised, 
they have uh, gone through their developmental journey. And the one constant with children is they are all different and will develop differently. But what uh, an independent skipping singing child suggests to me is that they have crossed their midline, which is a term you may or may not be familiar with. But what that means is is that how dominance emerges. So uh, most of us are familiar with we're left or right-handed in terms of writing and holding things. So that's a developmental journey. So once children are able to independently skip and sing at the same time, so they're, they're able to access that executive functioning part of their brain because the movement part of their brain is automated. They're able to do movements without thinking about it. So when we were, my children now say to me, gosh, back in the olden days, mum, which is a bit grim, but uh, still now we see children skipping independently, but it's a really great celebration of the joy of movement and providing opportunities for children to do that. But before they can skip independently, they need to be able to balance on one foot. So it comes right back to that early seven senses around that vestibular system and that early development, that foundational development around rolling, spinning, being upside down and learning about my body is where it all begins and then that sequential journey through into being able to stand on one foot, being able to jump with two feet together, being able to hop on one foot, putting that all together and being able to skip and sing at the same time. So one of the things we did with the Smart Steps resource is we actually wrote a activity which has got 18 different sequences in it called Hop a Frog, which is an uh, opportunity for parents or educators to look at how can I support children to learn how to skip freely. Um, and there's always a narrative that's got fun and games and songs, so the children experience it as play. They're actually learning a really key developmental uh, experience um, through that play. Wendy, I don't know how widespread this is in schools and in preschools. I know there's some Ministry of Health guidelines, but the kind of stuff that you're talking about that might have to be adult-led somehow by a, by a parent or by uh, a, a teacher until the kids learn it and, and love it and are doing it themselves. Is it very widespread in the formal education system? It's not something, sadly, that's being um, offered in depth within teacher training. Um, certainly that I'm aware of. That's something we're talking a lot. And certainly the team at AUT, uh, Scott Duncan, Nigel Harris, Grant Schofield, uh, are all um, working hard on um, connecting education and health. So there is a lot of great work being done um, within an academic setting and certainly the Active Play Initiative through the Ministry of Health. And when I'm speaking um, to teachers and parents around the country... It's really interesting. I always ask, have you seen this document? And sadly, a lot of them haven't actually seen it. So the opportunity for us to share this information, um, every parent wants the absolute best for their child, as does their teacher. So very, very, very quickly, very quickly, if you would, before we go and talk about what we can see on our screens in the moment, which I'm sure is one of the modern challenges. What's your top tip for a parent? on getting a child started on a love of this kind of activity if they would actually rather be reading, mainly which they need to do, or on screens or somewhere else. What's your top tip for starting a fun habit and getting these kinds of activities part of part of daily life? Well, certainly for young children, music is a wonderful medium. So um, breaking out into song 
and bringing back your inner child is a really wonderful place to start. I'm fortunate my name's Wendy and often I'm called Weird Wendy because um, I'm no singer but I love to break out into a bit of song and children just adore the fact that you are able to be silly and want to play with them. So humiliate yourself. Tip number one, humiliate yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Bring the weird um, and, and just find your inner child um, and, and just be present, offer time and space together uh, and some movement. Certainly stepping outside if you have the opportunity to do that. If you're inside, um, put some music on um, and do some dancing, holding your baby, dancing with your child, whatever that may be. Yeah, and having a chaos room somewhere in the house where you just have Absolutely. to shut the door and walk away. Wonderful. Thanks very much, um, Wendy Perry. You can learn more about what she has been talking about. There's a link on our homepage uh, to her Early Learning Centre in Taradale, but also to the actual play space they've developed there.